Just an update on my own personal status. Uh oh. Still don't have any lemons. Jesus, Aaron. I know. Is, there, is there a lemon shortage in Texas too? Yeah, uh, not that I know of, man. Why is there not a lemon shortage in Nebraska? There's definitely not a lemon shortage up here. We got we got lemons for days. We got limes for days. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe you just live closer to the lemon farm. That's distinctly possible. That. That's distinctly possible. I did. I did okay. tell some people the other night who were just like, oh, "I want, I want cherries in my uh, in my Manhattan." And I'm like, "You know what? Okay, fine. Well, we can do that." And then they and then they looked at me and they were like. That was too sweet. And I'm like, what was going to happen? The, oh my God. Yeah. But it, it was still just kind of one of those things where I'm just like, seriously, that's like being like, oh man, this, uh, this bloody Mary tastes a little too much like tomato. Yeah, but, exactly. It's- <laughs> Dude. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day, and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, guys, and welcome back to Drunkenomics, the drinking podcast with the economics problem. Sam Mendez, we proud to know. With the VIX at 1917, I am your more gracious host for the first time in a long while, James Goldwater. And alongside me, the less gracious host, oh, the irrepressible yep. Aaron Wong. Yep, I've been labeled as the less gracious host. Wow, it, it feels Don't weird. Don't worry, folks. He gets knocked down, but he'll get up again. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the market does. Uh, you know, it, I wasn't completely not as gracious today because at one point the VIX was below 18 today. That's true. So, it was in the high 17s yesterday, and I was like, eh, yeah. maybe. Uh, then, you know, before noon, it was, you know. it was under 18. And then I don't know what happened in the middle of the day today that warranted a VIX of above 18, let alone at exactly 1917, which is a fantastic war movie by a fantastic director, Sam Mendes. But whatever. Well uh, yeah, well, I mean, Sam Mendes is an awesome director. Uh, I recommend all of his movies. Road to Perdition and, and yeah. American Beauty, which won Best Picture, I think. I'm pretty sure it won Best Picture. That was 99, wasn't it? I, early 2000s? I, I don't know. I remember or, it, it was one of Kevin Spacey's. I th- it's probably one of his best roles. Well, Either that or Kaiser Soze. Kaiser oh, Soze I just, just spoiled the movie. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. It's everybody. late, guys. The movie's been out for a while. <laughs> you should have seen it. You should have seen If you haven't seen The User Suspects by now, I'm sorry. You missed it. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. So, anyways, <laughs> cheers to all of you. Hopefully, you have a nice stiff one in front of you. Before we move on, I want to say real quick, at Drunkonomical, D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L, that is us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Meta. Can we say Meta yet? Yeah, in the Metaverse. I don't know. In the Matrix. Facebook, is, Insta. Yeah, whatever. Not, not quite yet. Yeah, not quite yet, but we'll see what happens. Uh, apparently, they're, apparently, that's their way of trying to cheat death, but whatever. Find us there. Let us know what you th- yeah. Find us some feedback. Yeah, let us find know the what invite you think. to the Discord. Jump into the Discord and yeah. join us. This week's actually been really fun. We've got a few questions. Yes, we have. Also, let's start by saying this, uh, Gitto, dude. Uh, I'm glad you liked the answer. Hopefully, it sufficed. Yeah. Um, if we left some gaps in there, let us know. Yeah, because we were as we recorded, it was really very very new that data. Like the articles yeah, were only we, just coming out. Yeah. The, it had only just been agreed on that day, so yeah. we were very much so, kind of reading it and going, "Well, this is." 
what it looks like. Right. And then with our natural optimism or pessimism, depending on what the subject is and which one of us is talking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, what we think is going to happen. We're both pessimists in pretty much everything, but we're just different types of pessimists. So Yeah, just, we're, we're pessimistic uh, for different reasons. Yeah. I always think it's funny <laughs> when one of us is really optimistic about something. And I think, to be fair, on Dune, we were absolutely right. Yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> and it's still, we needed, like, like I want to see the sequel. Like, what's going to happen in 2022? I mean, we're, like, experts are saying that 2022 is going to be a catastrophic year in the stock market. Apparently, that's what everybody on CNBC is saying. But mm-hmm. on the bright side, is Dune going to be released in 2022? Or when was it? Twenty or is it 2023? I think it's 2023. So there's no good news in 2022. Then there's no bright forecast for 2022. All right, it will be out in 2023, but filming oh, will start gosh. in July of 2022. So there is some good news. It's mm. just not. It's too much it's anticipatory great news. type news. You know what I mean? Like. At least on the bright side, I'll say this. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are announcing, they announced a world tour. So there that's good go. news. Okay. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe but, they'll come to a town near you. Yeah, Same hopefully. You. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think in Seriously. Dallas, Fort Worth, you've got all that many concerns about them hitting, like hitting the area. They're, they're coming to Dallas. Yeah. But uh, with that said, um, mm-hmm. hopefully you can join the conversation, uh, collaborate with some economists or- Econoholics. Econoholics. And to be fair, you can switch um, between those two depending on your mood. Exactly. De- depending it's on where the VIX we, is that's at, how I feel. depending on uh, whatever metric you'd like, really. Yeah, and also speaking of the VIX, this is fun news that dropped last week, or I forget when exactly, but it, no, it starts this yeah, week. It did uh, it starts this week actually? Uh, so VIX and SPX options are you can now trade them twenty four five, which is crazy. Starting Sunday, <laughs> November twenty first. So starting yesterday, technically, you could you could have started trading these twenty four five, which I don't know if I like that. I really don't know if I it's, like it. You know, it's very much is wall street that casino where mm-hmm. they'll make a market for you they will allow you to make a bet well if they know there's going to be liquidity in the yeah. 24 5 market from monday through friday but to, be, yeah. to, be, but to um, be fair with the vix only open monday through friday there's really no point yeah. in having a seven day a week. i think it's going to start well i think it's going to start like sunday at uh, i forget when exactly on sunday it's going to start because it's not going to trade all throughout night on friday no it'll, so I mean, it'll I forget be when exactly it'll it be probably through european well probably through asia open through u.s close on friday yeah be my guess yeah it'll be more than five days but it will be yeah well but this is the weird thing about vix and spx options is well vix options are just weird in general uh, just because mm-hmm. the theta decay is measured way differently because well, the, it's an option like, based on a measurement of yeah. options like yeah, it's, exactly. It's, so there's so no. For those, of you, for those of you that have seen, um, for those of you that have seen too big to fail, I would compare this to like the synthetic CDO. It's a yeah. CDO of a CDO. It's what the? made up of a bunch of CDOs? So it's, it's an option of an option. Yeah. it's it's, it's probably going to swing substantially more wildly. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, like VIX. The, the thing about the VIX is that, like you know, the SPX, like odds are it's going to go up, right? Whereas the VIX, it's like. You know, there's no sentiment on the VIX. No, the, the VIX is, you know the, I mean? there's no sentiment on the VIX because the VIX is supposed to be the sentiment itself. Yeah. Right? So now so, we're going to have, uh, just have options of the measurements of sentiment. Yeah. What? So just think <laughs> about that. Um, listen to some Pink Floyd when you think about that and let me know what, you, uh, what happens to you your know mind. What? Yeah. Let um, us know. How, how about, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think? Have a, have a drink. Actually, no, have two drinks. Yeah. Be at home. Two shots before the mic is hot. Two shots. Yeah. Jump then, in the Discord, jump on Twitter, jump on uh, Insta, wherever you want it, wherever you want to uh, hit us up. Uh, even email us at drunkenomical at gmail.com and let us know. Yeah, whatever but you want to do. Shoot it to us. Let us know what you think about it because yeah. I just, I look at it and I go, there's people going to go into it and there's people going to make a lot of money on it. Yeah. But I it don't doesn't, mind doesn't necessarily make all that much sense to me. Oh yeah, totally understandable. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not entirely against SPX options trading 24-5 just because 
SPX well, options actually expire. They, they expire on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Whereas, you know, well, like, also because you choose, you're, you SPX know. is also, those are um, actual commodity contracts. It's theoretically, you're taking ownership of a commodity. Yeah, but, the they, but it's SPX right? options settle in cash. So if you, you know, if I sold you like a, you know, SPX 4600 call option, right? And the 40, oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and no, the SPX I, closed I, at 4607, I would have to, I would just give you $700. I don't actually deliver, you know, a hundred shares of, of, of the S&P 500. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, but I, like, I think what it really comes down to is I think the CBOE is just like, there's going to be a market for it. There's going to be a lot of, or yeah. there's going to be a lot of order flow. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, I guess so it's just a... It's, it's going to be very profitable for... Some people. You know, a lot of traders, a lot of high market makers. It's going to be profitable for hedge funds, all those people. So, of course, they're going to lobby for that kind of stuff. And honestly, for retail investors, it could be profitable, and it also could be not profitable. But at the same time, the nice thing about options is like, for every winner there is, there's just as many losers. Yeah, uh, as a whole, depends. I kind of, as a whole, I look at it with options here, it's a zero-sum game. In order for you to win, someone it else is, has to it, lose. It's 100%. It's not like there, there's yeah. no, it's not a non-zero-sum. It's not like the actual appreciation of a share value where you're, or, or theoretically of an equity where you're, or a security-based, like an equity like that, which should have appreciating value yeah. because it's bringing in its own right. cash, which in theory appreciates the assets, which right. appreciates the value. But the nice thing about so, options too is like it's, you know, and we'll do a whole episode on options, but like this so many strategies they can put, oh, yeah. put on. Yeah, get like, ready, get ready for the strategies sessions through the through the winter break because it's gonna be so a many, so many. It's gonna be a wild I mean, ride. I mean, I, I feel like if we ever did an options episode, it would be like a series of options episodes because it's there's there's one options and there's two like straddles and then there's splits and then yeah. there's diagonals. Well, we should, yeah, we should talk about yeah, we should talk about spreads, mm-hmm. diagonals slash calendars. Yeah, it's all spreads it's, and it's condors. A, yeah. uh, you know, let's like, put it this way: so. Guns and Roses wasn't wrong when they said if you've got the money honey, we've got your disease. Because that is what Wall Street is. <laughs> if you've got the money, they've yeah. got the disease. If you've got the money, honey, we've got disease. Welcome to the yep. jungle. Um, so, Absolutely. It's it's uh, Yeah. Let us know what your thoughts yeah. are. Seriously. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think. Yep. Uh, I guess from there. Um, let's, let's take a crack. Can we take a crack really, uh, really quickly at Canelo's question from earlier today when he asked us? Oh, um, it's in the general. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. So Amazon banning Visa in the UK. Yeah, and he's pointed out that it happened with Walmart several years ago. Stock fell, then rebounded mm-hmm. when Walmart lifted the ban. I'll say this: um, um, I think Amazon is one of those companies that's powerful enough. It's it's kind of like um, I forget what company it was, but that it was a satellite services company that uh, Apple was apparently interested in doing business with them. I forget what company it was. I think it's GSAT. I could be wrong, but Apple announced some sort of business with them, and GSAT stock I think doubled. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. And it's 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 kind of like you know if you announce a business relationship with a company like Apple or Amazon, it's almost as good as if you announce a business relationship with the U.S. government. Yeah, it's, it's when you, it's, be it's very that, good for your stock. It's almost as good as being a um, a contracting firm that does uh, infrastructure right now in the U.S. or being the one oh, that the city yeah. always goes to for roads. You've yeah. got guaranteed um, revenue. Yeah. So so the question yeah. that we're getting asked by Canelo is uh, our thoughts on, like I said, Visa um, being banned by Amazon in the UK. Just in the UK, though. It's yep. not anywhere And then else. how Walmart so. had done something similar, stock fell, and then re- Walmart stock rebounded when um, when they announced that they were actually going to back off it. My guess is, and he's right, uh, he, he, in his question he asked, do you think this is going to be permanent, or is it just a move to get a power move to get a lower fee from the credit card firm? 
My yes. guess is that that's exactly what it is. They're going to go ahead and say, you know what? You give us a better fee or no. They're playing. It's, yep. it's interesting. So if we look at game theory, they're both doing, they've both clearly gone to the point where they're hurting each other. They've done the negative outcome for both of them. So on the one hand, well, Visa's not going to get the swipe fees. Well, Amazon stock has only gone up. Well, I don't, it's so. not Amazon. So Amazon, I don't think is going to see a stock decline because um, there's too many people that want in. Visa is right. probably going to get hurt because you're going to, especially Visa UK, because they're going to, you're going to see that v- Visa has gotten crushed. They, they've gotten absolutely destroyed. They're going to get really badly hurt, news. and then they're going to have to. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's like uh, it's like Coca Cola and other sodas with Walmart in the U.S. It's essentially Walmart goes to them and tells them what mm-hmm. they want that they're willing to pay for the soda, and those and those firms can either be in there at that price or not be in there at that right. price. And it's 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 a otherwise it's, you don't do business. Otherwise with you don't do business yeah. with Walmart. Now That's it's it. a way of doing business. I would say it's not best way of doing business, but it's a way yeah. of doing business no, you want a healthy relationship between you, you want to yeah you want to have a good um, relationship with your suppliers because yeah. their success is your success essentially right. and so it's it, it'll be interesting i think yeah. i think eventually you'll see visa have to accept whatever the lower swipe fee is or maybe maybe mm-hmm. and it's i you know unlikely but possible that you'll see amazon actually see i don't know what the breakdown of credit card banks in the uk is if, if mastercard has two-thirds of the business yeah. it probably won't be an issue if Visa has two thirds of the business, it's possible Amazon may actually start to see. Will also feel some pain. Yeah. Well, I think Visa is going to feel more pain. So I wonder, like, what do you think about this? Do you think there's a credit card company that's UK based that's like, if you guys continue to do business with Visa here in the UK, we're going to stop doing business with you? And then Amazon's like, okay, well, you know, this credit card company, you know, the per swipe accounts for. Eighty percent of revenues. We got to lean more towards whatever their demands are, as opposed to Visa. I, you know, it's it- possible that it does. I don't. I don't yeah. know. Now, my guess, um, you know, there's a disagreement on swipes and uh, or on the swipe fees with Visa. This could right. be a really. This could be really good news. It's an opening into a market one for Mastercard, the obvious rival. Yeah. But also, guys like PayPal, Discover, Discover, all these other guys who can theoretically get in there and process the transaction instead. Right. So you know, this could be a good day for PayPal that you're still able to use Visa. You just have to go through a tertiary service. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the crazy thing is, all credit card companies went down. Squares down. Discover's down. PayPal's yeah. down like crazy. Well, to, be, to be fair, you know, you're also maybe beginning to see that an entire industry is looking at Amazon and going, oh, that's the game they want to play. So maybe there yeah. maybe a lot of investors are dumping out of the markets going, we don't know what's next. We don't know. Yeah, and that's the other thing too out. is like, well, we can gain exposure to all these credit card companies by just buying Amazon, right? So yeah. I mean, this could also be yeah. this could also be, I mean, weirdly enough, a good day for the buy now, pay later crowd. Oh yeah, which is yeah, no, I don't, I don't really want to have that discussion right now. I'm sorry, James. I don't either, but it's just, <laughs> okay, cool. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm just, just saying that maybe those firms are gonna see an uptick just because Well that's why that's why Square you know, was it Square and what was the is it a firm? I or, forget the other one, but I forget. Yeah. It's Australian based. So Tim, your neck of the woods. There's some, I'm sure once Tim listens to this episode, he'll be like, oh, it's this company. You're an idiot for not knowing. And I'll say, yes, Is I know. Afterpay? But I think so. No. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. Because Square bought Afterpay for $29 billion. Okay. Or, was, or was planning that's, to. That's what it was. Yeah. So it's, yeah, maybe these credit card companies are going to start, maybe they have to start pivoting and looking <laughs> for that buy now, pay later business integration into their what into whatever their operations are yeah. so yeah anyways i hope that answers your question canelo uh really appreciate you chiming in yeah no it's great throwing a question yeah. in there man i guess i guess my answer is just to be clear i don't think it's permanent i think it's a, a negotiation tactic yeah so I, I honestly like i wouldn't be surprised if like in december they say just kidding uh they've agreed to new terms or whatever it is yep. and, and then visa stock maybe jumps i don't know uh like i'm not i'm not saying 
to hedge your bets or no, whatever. absolutely not. I don't know. This I have is, no idea. It's entirely it's not financial advice. Yeah, it's not financial advice. It's just yeah. saying, look, if you look at it, that's probably what it is, and this is yeah. probably what'll happen at some point. It yeah. will normalize at some point. If it makes you feel any better, I liked Visa for a very long time, and if you jumped on my train, you would have lost a lot of money. So that's <laughs> that's that's my that's my financial advice. So or rather, disclosure and warning. Yeah, there you go. That's that's my warning. Uh, with that said, let's. Uh, should we talk about Biden and Xi? Because we get Biden and Xi out of the way, yeah. Because yeah, we say we're going to talk about it last week. Yeah, which so that's they were, they were pretty much meeting when we had our drinks together, and uh, they pretty much told the world what they said the next day. And uh, basically, it seems like they didn't talk about very much. Not, well, very specific topics because they wanted to start with the easy stuff like Taiwan, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I, mean, I, it's- I hope for the best for Taiwan. I love Taiwan, but. I think the only thing that was really actually substantial about the entire meeting was China saying, hey, stop being so cool with Taiwan. Like, please not be their biggest ally because we really like Taiwan, which to that I say, not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's don't ask, you know, the U.S. is, the US is here, used so. what's called strategic ambiguity when it comes to Taiwan. That's what they say. That's what they you, say. That's what they've, they've, that's, been, they've used that word a lot. You, that is U.S. foreign policy. And it is not. It, it's. I wish I knew where the U.S. actually stood. Well, it, it's ambiguous, right? So well, it's, <laughs> I mean. well, it's ambiguous, and I and I think I think it started initially as a containment tactic of China that it was ambiguous to the Chinese, but not ambiguous within the U.S. I think the issue yeah. now is it's ambiguous in the U.S. too about what the U.S. will do. I think about what the U.S. was willing okay, so, to do. Okay, so what you're saying, what you're saying is so it's kind of like Peyton Manning. You ever seen that Peyton Manning? Uh, who, if you guys don't know who he is, he's a really famous football player, and he's really the reason why he's so great at football is because he's the smartest, probably the smartest football player to ever play the game. And uh, they interviewed him on Saturday Night Live. Or, I, I don't know if it was Saturday Night Live or if it was Kenny Main, uh, the funny guy on ESPN. And, and obviously, this is a joke for every interview, but like, but they're like, when you do all these pre-snap signals and all that kind of stuff, what are you actually doing? And then Peyton Manning goes, I don't know. And then Kenny Main or whoever's interviewing is like, you wait, you don't know what you're doing? He's like, well, well, hold on. The thing is. I may not know what I'm doing, but the defense doesn't know that we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so is, that, <laughs> is that what you're saying with U.S. and China and what strategic ambiguity yeah. means? Yeah, well, well, let's put it this way. <laughs> Initially, the strategic ambiguity would have been, to, to use that analogy, Initially, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is to, you know what it means, but the other side doesn't. And that's I think, as, yeah. I, I think absolutely, and that's the way it kind of should be. And I think now you're absolutely right. It's, it's, that's what's happened is we don't know what that's doing either. It's just like, ah, oh, we're doing all these things or we're, yeah. you know, we're just doing this stuff to confuse the opposition. So what does it mean? Oh, I don't have no idea. Yeah. I don't know what it means either. And it's like, Ooh, hang on. Yeah, it's, you you kind of yeah. should. Well, yeah. Cause like, yeah. Cause like when you watch <laughs> Peyton Manning play, I mean, like he'll walk up to the line of scrimmage and start screaming all these names of cities all that kind of stuff numbers you know and it's it means something and there's people moving around but like obviously like obviously some of it's like he knows he knows he knows obviously some of it's real and some of it's gibberish but i think we've gotten to a point where maybe everything's gibberish yeah so basically to summarize the meeting it just you know the notes came out like the next day after we recorded Basically, they just said, we need to talk more. We need to be more open in our communication, which that strategic ambiguity sounds like the opposite of that. But you know what? Um, I don't run things here, like I said. Hey, so, I tried to get into Treasury. Whatever. Boy, the Secret Service wasn't having that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you should have like given them a flask or something. Drunkenomics flasks. No, it's, it's too ambiguous because we don't know what's in the flask. Correct. <laughs> so, but yeah, they, apparently yep. they think they need to talk more. 
Uh, they need to be more transparent. Yeah, so and, make it that what you will. I don't know. I don't know. As Aaron said when we were talking earlier, two friends who live in different towns agreeing to visit more. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll come visit you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then and back then, to and then five years. That's another high school reunion or something. And yeah. why don't we ever visit each yeah, other? Exactly. I think that's probably. I think that's that's probably the closest to that to what the conversation was. Yeah. Or like if you want to look at it from the business side of things, it's you know they have a meeting about having more meetings. That's exactly which, it. Which leads to meetings about having more meetings. Which leads to the, so, the staff meetings about having about organizing the next meeting about meetings. Yeah. Yes. See. And uh, there's yeah, the pre-meeting uh, meeting, and then there's the pre-pre-meeting meeting, and there's the pre-pre-pre-meeting yeah, meeting memo. This is like a Christopher Nolan movie. I mean, this is. Go listen to some Pink Floyd. Meeting exception. Yeah, go yeah, go into some trance here. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Anyways, from there, uh, I think the biggest news for last week and this week was last week Joe Biden said in four days we're gonna we're gonna give our nod towards either Lael Brainerd or uh, we're gonna keep Jerome Powell as the current chairman of the Federal Reserve. And then yep. of course he says he's gonna do it in four days, and then four days passes by. And he says, I'll wait till Monday. Actually, we'll do it Monday. Yeah. And uh, which today is Monday, the day which we're recording, which is 1122. Happy birthday, App. They have decided. It has It has been announced. It has been announced. That the starting quarterback decided. for the Federal Reserve will remain Jay the Hawk Powell. Jay the Hawk Powell. So with, and with, <laughs> with a new second QB, mm-hmm. a new bench player, Lael Brainerd. Yeah. So exactly, uh, you know, like think of like the Patriots back in 2010. Back in 2000, uh, you know, Tom Brady, starter, Drew Bledsoe, backup. That's what they've, that's what Bill Belichick announced. That's what JB, you know, if, if you're, the, if you're that tight with him, you know, I guess for you, you can call him President Biden. I will, but- because there's only, there's only one JB in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Who might that be? It's obviously Jimmy Buffett. I, I'm offended oh. that you would think that it wasn't. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're a big Tenacious D and Jack Black fan or whatever. That's true, but that's Jack B. <laughs> okay, fine. Or Jay Black. Yeah, or Jay Black. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, JB, Jay Buffett, or actually, no, sorry. Uh, who, what's the name? Oh, Joe Biden. Duh. Okay, yeah, <laughs> my bad. Uh, Joe Biden said, um, yeah, starting for quarterback for the Federal Reserve is the Hawk. Um, he's an Hawk? Nope. No. Jay the Hawk Pal. Jay the Hawk Pal. The one, pal. the only. You know him. You love him. You know him. You love him. Yeah, he's, he's going to take us to the ship. He's never but, uh, He's never seen an interest rate he doesn't want to hike. Yeah. To make a really bad football exactly. joke. A really, a really a bad really, American football joke really. for those of you who understand that. Yeah, uh, I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to watch that down with the Splendid it's, Scotch. It is um, some of my most medium work. <laughs> oh, whoa. Okay, yeah. Um, th- so JB decided that he wants to keep Jerome Powell as... Fed chair, and he wants to put Lael Brainerd as the vice chair. As the vice so. chair, which I'm not going to lie, I disagree with Lael Brainerd on a lot of things, but her resume is outstanding. Yes. She's got, this, she's got an amazing yeah, resume. No, she's she's Fantastic. talented, clearly qualified to be there. She's the former, uh, yes. former undersecretary of the treasury. So mm-hmm. she understands yeah. she's, she's been on the fiscal side of the board. She's been on, yeah. she's been on the government side of board. It's, yeah. I think it's a good thing. She worked pick. in the white house under Clinton, under the Clinton administration for a while. She also worked in the private sector before that. She taught at MIT in their school of, uh, in their school of economics. She's got a PhD from Harvard. Like yep. she's obviously very, very smart, a little bit progressive for my liking, but uh, yeah, I, so, I'm sure. So she was undersecretary just to kind of, so she was undersecretary of the treasury from April, 2010 until November, 2013. And then on June of 2014, mm-hmm. she became a member of the federal reserve board of governors. And yep. then now yep. she's being, she's been nominated. So she has to be voted on. She has to be confirmed by the Senate. I don't think she will not be. That, I think she will be. There will, there will be no issue there. I, my no my issue guess would be, 
Um, if we really want to bring politics into it, my guess is it's a package deal. Republicans get Powell's sale in place and the Democrats get Brainerd. Yes. So that'll yeah. bring that'll bring the 60 votes they want. Absolutely. I think to be fair, yeah. I look at it and I go, this is a really good. I think it's a, a fantastic choice. I, I think um, it is, too. And this is coming from someone that doesn't agree with like her stance on monetary policy and all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, she's pretty hawkish, which we both. I think know, we both like think, that. I think we do both like yeah. I for now. I think that for the I think for the for better now. part of the last decade we've been in we've been in an economy that requires hawkish oversight, not dovish oversight. Mm-hmm. That's me. Yeah, exactly. That's my opinion. But she's also kind of there to kind of upset the established order, which I really appreciate. Yes. So yeah, I don't like echo chambers. Yeah, and I like I said I don't necessarily agree with her views. She she wants more restrictions. Or she's not to want more restrictions, but she's not opposed to more restrictions, uh, especially on Wall Street, which I which I get. I don't. That's, I'm not looking at that like, what are you crazy? No, I'm like, yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, she's she's. Um, if you look at so she's been kind of the lone. So in her tenure as a member of the Board of Governors on the Fed for really the last three or four years, she's been like kind of the lone dissenting voice in a lot of their votes. Mm-hmm. When it's votes where the Federal Reserve wants to say relieve like relieve some of the regulation deregulate yeah where they've tried to where they've been trying to deregulate or rather they've been trying to and now i've realized the word i was looking for where they've tried to uh-huh. relax provisions from oh. dodd frank yeah from, um, no not dodd frank uh it is so yeah, so it was in June of last year, and um, the Fed was considering changes to the Volcker Rule, which was a provision. The Volcker Rule, the Volcker that's Rule, what it was. which was a provision yeah. of Dodd Frank, which oh, limited okay. banks' dealings with say private equity yeah. firms and hedge funds. And so there yeah, was, was a oh. there were points where there were meets at, where they were meeting, and the Federal Reserve Board of Governors was deciding that maybe they should relax that, allowing increased exposure and connection mm-hmm. between between major financial institutions and then hedge funds and private equity firms. She was right. the sole vote against the alteration. Her mm-hmm. position of that being uh, the proposal as it was yeah, would weaken the core protections of Dodd-Frank and allow banks to return to, quote, return to risky activities seen in the 2008 financial crisis, end quote. So right. the other yeah. thing is, well, ex- I mean, kind of- just to summarize, I mean, basically she just, she doesn't believe that there should be a company that's too big to fail. Absolutely. And I think, I don't think so, either one of us disagrees with that. No, I, I don't um, think so too. I mean, granted, I do think there are certain situations in certain economic environments in which the failure of certain companies would be more detrimental than, than their but continuation. The time, but right. so I, I agree that, yeah, you say, okay. But there's no accountability there. That's too scary. I agree. So I, I think like that. you save it, you get, you get out of the, you get out of the danger and then you go, you know what, what we learned from that isn't that it's that you need to break up. So it's, so it's really cool is um, one mm-hmm. of the companies that was involved in 2008, that was considered too big to fail GE. They've just, they have yeah. agreed they're going to split. They, they've just decided they're going to split into three different firms. They spun off. They're going to, well, yeah, they're gonna, exactly. yeah, they're going to, spin off two of the uh, two of the major sectors yeah. they become three different firms and yeah. i think that's it is a smart move because if you look at ge they've been kind of they've been underperforming for yeah they've quite been, some they time been profitable for a lot i mean they i think they just not started turning a profit again, yeah but but, they, but they've they, been, they were not because they've so. been underperforming trying to do too much they're too big so they're spinning right. off to go focus on their things with an expert ceo mm-hmm. and an expert board on that and so that's, I think it's a good call. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Brainerd would disagree if we said that that's kind of what you do after a major crisis when someone's too big to fail is afterwards you say, look, we've concluded that you that your existence when you make bad choices can destroy the economy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, it's all these giant you, banks gobbling up all these tiny little mortgages. Yeah, right. It's and so hey, it's stop first doing off, that. we're going to make it illegal for you to gobble those up. And second, actually, there may also be a question of your size being too big. So maybe you need to right. split. Um, and I, and I think there's a lot of just like, hey, how much leverage can you use to buy? all these mortgages because i mean a lot of these companies were leveraged like eight to one oh, or one to eight 
or yeah, eight to one. They were whatever. Uh, to, to, oh, whatever. Suffice to say, they were over leveraged. Yes. Okay. There you go. Fair enough. Which, which, um, if you just like, which, if you want to know, guys, my one of my favorite movies. I actually think the best movie Kevin Spacey's in, and it's not even really Kevin Spacey as the lead. Yeah, because he's not a lead. Yes, but I know exactly. In margin, about margin call, call, the movie that's, yeah. that kind of started all of this. There's a point where uh, Zach Quino's character yeah. is sitting there with the board at the emergency board meeting, and just kind of says, "We've been doing this business for a few years. We've made a considerable amount of money money doing it." But yeah. these mortgages create a huge amount of risk because they're out. we have to hold them on our books to package them correctly. But because they're mortgages, we've been allowed to do that, to hold them on our books and, and in order to do that. Them, but because yeah. they're mortgages, we've been able to do that without yeah. and, and with extreme leverage, without pushing our risk profile. Right. Oh, yeah. I forget, I forget what exact line he used. But yeah, it was basically. And he says, he says, uh, he says we have to hold them on our books longer than we might ideally want to. But essentially, these are just mortgages. So we've been able to do that. So we've been able to yep. lever up considerably beyond what you would be allowed to yeah. or ideally want to in any other circumstance. I think yeah. is the exact line. I think that I think that sounds about. But that it's, sounds almost exactly. But it's kind of so that's that's. It, the, it sounds like you almost wrote the screenplay. I love that you, movie, but, and I don't think people understand quite yes. how much. Uh, no, no, I, I understand exactly how much you love the movie. You probably love it as much as I love the movie Goodfellas. That's um, that may be fair. That, that, I also love Goodfellas, and I also love Margin Call. So we're even. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> so, yeah. And we both love Dune. So, so boom, three for three. Yeah, and we both love Dune. So, yeah, <laughs> and, and and we and we both love American Beauty and uh, and 1917. So, oh yeah. Wow. But so yeah, so that's yeah. that's Lael. That's 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 who she is. That's what her. That's her. And like I said, so she's the vice president now. Um, and I, I want to reiterate. I think it is a political play. It's a Republicans. You guys want to keep Jerome Powell as the, as the quarterback, as the starting quarterback. Yeah, you Lael as the backup. Lael as the backup, and as a, and as the audible person, whatever it is, right? So yeah, and you know, so the backup quarterbacks always standing on the sidelines, doing hand signals, so, and saying, "Hey, so so know, so, so to, to speak to this and why this is kind of important is if you look at the if you look at the board of governors for the Fed, Lael. Yes, is I was the, gonna say that, yes. Is the sole Democrat on that board. Mm-hmm. Everyone else yeah. is Republican. And that's not yeah. I don't think that that's a conscious political decision. And I don't think that no. it should be a I don't think there should be a requirement that they be a balance between two political parties. One of the things I love about the Federal Reserve is that it is for the most part independent of government. Mm-hmm. You exactly. you're you are appointed to mm-hmm. the role, you are confirmed by the Senate, and then very much the government has hands off. Now we we saw one or yep. two things that were a little weird about that in the last administration under President Trump with Janet Yellen being essentially fired. Well, and I don't and, and him constantly trying to know, influence so Fed policy as much as yeah, as much as I bash on Joe Biden, you know, I'll even it out by saying, yeah, as much as Donald Trump has been like, I don't know, like I nominated this guy, but if he doesn't lower interest rates, I might fire him. Right. It's like, dude, you can't like you hired and fired everybody in your yeah, cabinet. You can't start like, four times. I would argue, so I, would, just, I would argue that that would be, it would be wrong to mess with the independence of the federal reserve system. It's, exactly. It's, it's, to me, because the brilliance it, of the federal reserve system is its independence. We have a central bank yeah. that isn't beholden mm-hmm. to the government. Exactly. You nominated these people mm-hmm. to enact their policies and 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 give them enough time to kind of see it through and see how it actually influences the economy. Yeah, well, what kills me so, is he was like, he's like, oh, I want lower yeah. rates, so I'm firing Yellen in, in, in favor of Powell. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And I was like, yeah. Yellen's then, a dove. She Jay wa- the, she's Jay the dove Yellen. She wants to lower interest rates. You just don't like her because she's an Obama appointee versus exactly. you bringing Powell in, who I like. But I was like, but he's a hog. Well, I was like, you're what are you doing? Yeah. That's what, that's what Trump did, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is this is me coming back around, and I'm I'm <laughs> I'm uh, kind of dogging on both administrations here to just kind of even everything out. But basically, Brainerd, the only Democrat, which 
Like I said, I think she's very progressive. Uh, she's too progressive for my liking, but I'm glad to have a different perspective yeah. in the Fed board. I right? absolutely so, agree. I, I I I look at she does really like a lot of the green a policies. Lot of her, like the Green Party should love her, which and, and, for, I'm still surprised Elizabeth Warren hasn't endorsed her yet. Um, but I'm not. You know, I, I I don't necessarily think she wants her endorsement. I yeah, I would say when you get a degree in economics, accounting, even finance. Even if you are socially liberal, you tend to be very, when you look at money, you look at economics from a very kind of conservative viewpoint. And mm-hmm. it's because, you know, and that's not always true. No, but I think of you look not. at it from, there's conservative and then there's just the realism of knowing, mm-hmm. look, I know what works. I know how the statistical things work. I also know this is a social science. So this isn't like mm-hmm. you, may, you may be a Democrat. But you are still probably more conservative than Liz Warren wants. Right. And and this is the thing, like Brainerd is not like I mean, she no. wants she doesn't like the fact she doesn't like the way Wall Street is being regulated right now. Which I, I get well, it, not everyone. Uh, yeah, she she but, wants she's she's a fan of more regulation. Yeah, she she wants more regulation. Whereas I I would you know, the other Republicans on the Fed board, especially the guy that she's replacing, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Um Clarita, Clarita, Richard yeah, it's Clarita? it's yeah, um, Richard Clarita, yeah. Whatever. I was thinking yeah. it was, I think it was, I was thinking it was Randall Quarries for some reason. I was like, no, that's that's not. Oh, Cor- no, was, yeah. yeah, it was the vice chair for supervision, and that's why, and that's why I was yeah. like, oh, that. Yeah, so uh, Dick Clarita, yep. Richard Clarita, whatever you want to call him, um, he was the guy that got in trouble last year for the whole securities fraud when he sold everything before the uh, March crash, uh, the, the stock market crash last year. Yeah. So. She's replacing him. It's what's um, what's good about the fact, or what's good about um, Brenner coming in and taking that position, is that it gives her a louder voice, and it gives her. Yeah, she will have more control over the discussions being had by mm. the the board of governors and by the FOMC. Right. So it's absolutely. it's a it's so. a good thing because now she can't just be. The, dissent, the one dissenting voice that everyone can ignore. Now she can say, look, this is an issue you need to consider. What about this? Hmm. And, and what's great about that, what's beautiful about that is, and it's and it, I love when it happens between you and me, is that you bring up something that I had just not even thought about. Because yeah. you don't, well, and you, you know, if it's something that you just don't think about, you well, you don't know to plan for it. Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, when we have these discussions, you always bring up something. I'm like, whoa, I never even thought of that too. So that's why I think this is a good thing, Absolutely. right? She'll come up with a perspective you know, with her PhD in economics and her political viewpoints and having worked in the private sector and in the White and House governance since 1986. And in the Fed, yeah. So she's, yeah, I she's mean, been yeah, around, she you know. She's a business consultant. She's got, like I said, a, an ama- like a fantastic resume. She does. So like, I- I'm not against this, you know, like I said, I, and I can't stress this enough, I do not agree with it politically. That's fair. So, like, but I, yeah. what I, but what, and we were, we were talking earlier about this and it was just, what's great though is that Whenever you get one side in a room, it turns into an echo chamber and that can become dangerous mm. and make things stagnant because you just, yeah. you won't consider new thought. Everything gets stale. Yeah. It's, it's like if the, if like every member of the Senate was all Republican or all Democrat, I like one better than the other, but I hate them both. I, so, I prefer one side of that. I think you prefer the opposite side of that, but I think we both yes, agree 100%. that a split chamber, <laughs> a meaningfully split chamber yes, is the best like option. 50-50. Is, yes, well, absolutely. Well, well, fluctuating. I wouldn't say 50-50, but you know what? It fluctuates back and forth between- between a non-polarizing 50-50. Let's do there that. There we go. How about so, that? Have I, yeah. Okay, you know what? So, and when we have yeah. that, we're gold. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think we're golden. A 50-50 that are willing to work together. That's, I'll take it. We're willing to talk to each other and listen to each other and, and not just call each other cowards. Now we're so, just dreaming. I know. I. It's like... You know, it's like, why can't all cigars just be... No, why um, Why aren't all, you know, why aren't all whiskey scotch? Yeah. Just, no, I like, I like the variety. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't I, hate all whiskey being scotch, 
but like I would miss Irish whiskey a lot. I would. I like, miss I would, Irish. I, I, I miss American bourbon. whiskey too. Yeah, I, I miss really miss American a lot. whiskey. What am I going to make my man hands with if everything is Scotch? They're all going to be Rob Roy's. Yeah. You know? I thought, so, thank God for yeah. rye, right? So like we're seriously. Thank, thank God for rye. Absolutely. <laughs> with that said, um, I, originally I wanted to talk about uh, preferred shares, but I don't really think we have the time for that. Maybe we'll, just, maybe we'll split that off into next week. As a, continua- as a continuation of, uh, of last week's yeah. bonds, because we, we brought them up for a minute yeah. and we promised we will. Yeah, even though we'll we talked about them this week. Uh, but you know what? Joe Biden said he was going to come up with a Fed chair decision on Friday. And you know, here we are. It's Monday. He just finally came up with a decision. So yeah, and, and, and to be we fair, take after him. I really so. like it. I think it was I think it was a fantastic, I think it was an inspired choice. And I think, I'm a lot more confident yeah. about the Fed oversight going forward. Yeah than I otherwise might have been. Right, exactly. Uh, and also, you know, Joe Biden did, uh, didn't he get a colonoscopy on Friday or something like that? Or Thursday or Yeah, Friday? last week he did. Whatever he did. Um, he temporarily so, was not president, so. I, yeah, so I guess uh, that's that's why. He said in four days, but then in four days he had to get a colonoscopy. So maybe that's, okay, fair enough. Here's, well, here's uh, kind of another point, and this is something that Aaron and I were talking, we were joking about earlier. Is, yes. Guys, this is just more like a general, like, gripe. When you see any kind of article out there with news, with it, if it's us who we're talking, one, if you see a headline, read the article. Two, yes. when you hear us make Please. points, go ahead and do. If you don't, if you don't know what we're talking about, ask us. Go do some reading. Ask us to. If you need some clarification, we'll we'll do our best to get back to you. Maybe we overlook something and we have to give a whole episode on something. Yeah. But do the reading. Well, one of the things I hate, and I see it so much on social media, is it's, a headline will get posted and someone will just make a comment that has nothing to do with the article, and it's like, did you read the article? Or, yeah. the, or the article directly contradicts it. It's like, did you read the article? Because the answer is obviously no. Yeah. So we have an, we have a perfect example of that right now. And I think maybe we'll put it up on some of the social media, but it's- I put it on Twitter already, but it's, oh, it's the on home Twitter. Sales, so it's on- it's The home sales numbers. So it's yeah. on Twitter. It's about the October home sales numbers. And what it says is, if you look, it says that Yahoo Finance says, existing home sales, this is the headline, existing home sales slowed down in October. <laughs> so CNBC yep. has another article, <laughs> countering article with the headline, Home sales rose in October as, as investors rushed, rushed into, the, into market. the market. Here's now yes. here's what the, they both agree: existing home sales rose eight tenths of a percent. They both yeah, agree point, when you 0. read zero point eight percent rise. Now that means six point three four million units, according to the National Association of Realtors. But it's also the way you say it. Like think about it. Like if a report said, you know, it was only six point three four million, or or you could say six point three four million, right? So, yeah. So here's the thing: existing home sales rose. 0.8%. Last year in October, home sales, I'm sorry, home sales right now are 5.8% lower than October of 2020. So yep. existing home sales has slowed or slowed in October. Why, oh, why? Year over year. Year yes. over year. That's true. But what ha- what's really happening, okay, home sale, existing home sales are up, right? Are, mm-hmm. are 0.8%, but they're not up as much as they were. And so you have two views yeah. on that. Home sales so- have slowed, which people, I read that. And that language tells me home sales are down. But then you read the CNBC but then I read article. CNBC, home sales rose. Actually, no, sales are still up. They're just not up as much as they otherwise were. Yeah, and, so, this, and, and that's the thing. CNBC headline says investors rushed into the market. And my favorite, my favorite example of this is still the Amy Coney Barrett one that I was telling <laughs> you about. That was so, I have a picture of it. I, I, I saw it on, on MSNBC and I took a picture of it. I, I couldn't, I, I just yeah, so Yeah, it, it wasn't particularly subtle. And no. to be fair, it's one of those things that, what did it say again? So basically I was watching MSNBC and this was when Amy Coney Barrett was getting sworn in as one of the Supreme Court justices. And MSNBC on the lower third, it said, 
Justice Barrett gets sworn in as thousands die. And this is in the middle of the pandemic. So is it, thousands die. Is it true? Totally true. Yes. Amy Coney Barrett is getting it, sworn in. Also totally true. Are they in any way correlated? No. It's, it's, I'll say it's this. It's non-sequitur. But it was absolutely true. Yes. But absolutely unrelated. Yes. So it's one of those things where it's just like, folks, when you see crazy headlines, when you see any statement, any headline, yeah. go ahead and one, read the article. Two, <laughs> just read the article. If you see a bias or a slant, go ahead and look for a second source or go ahead and look it up. Yeah, exactly. So wanted to throw that in there real quick. Uh, but from there, let's we're going to talk about preferred shares and stuff like that and kind of like the balance between uh, fixed income and actual equity. But I guess for now, uh, we talked to you off enough. We want to try to keep it short because it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving, week. so. Yeah, we want you to take uh, your shots of whatever it is with that gravy chaser. I mean, so, it's always wild turkey. Uh, um, you know how it goes, but. Turkey? <laughs> a shot of turkey oh. on Thanksgiving. It makes a lot of sense with the, with the gravy chaser. That's the most Thanksgiving drink you can ever. It really is. Drink chaser, I whatever. Agree. I absolutely it's agree. It's kind of like an Irish car bomb on St. Patty's Day. It's exactly It's kind of got to be done, yeah. So, well, the thing yeah, is, you got so, the extra gravy, um, so why not? Yeah. So with that said, let's just talk about, I want to talk about sticky inflation yeah. uh, versus uh, other types of inflation, transitory it's inflation. Transitory, I think it's absolutely. the polar opposite of uh, sticky inflation. It is. So, so this is a nice little article that you posted from Barron that I don't have a subscription yeah, to. Yeah, so I was, I was reading through, so I was reading through some inflation <laughs> stuff because you see, you're seeing news in the US, oh, 6.2% in October and, and these other things. And then the articles from like CNBC, like if you don't get a 6% raise, are you actually like losing money? And they yes. talk about- well, the answer, I mean, ostensibly is yes. If, My answer is yes. If, Your answer if is all inflation, it, not as bad as you think. If all inflation is the same. And, inf- and the conclusion, actually, and what we're going to bring to the point is inflation isn't all the same. There are two types of inflation. No, There's sticky inflation, which is- um, It's inflation that, that will last- It's the consistent like, inflation. It's on, it's, it's yeah. on goods- um, Well, think about it this way. You run a bar, you charge $4 yeah. for a beer, and then inflation goes up, and whatever other bills for you go up- so now you have to raise prices of beer to $5 a beer, but your sales are exactly the same in terms of units, right? You're still selling the exact same number of units of beer. So you're like, if I'm selling the same amount of beer when it's $5, why would I lower my prices back to $4 yeah. even if everything else is cheaper? Why would you do that? It's it's kind of like, a, it's, it's exactly like the supply and demand curve. Like you, the first thing you learn in economics, right? Which is, you know, the supply and demand curve, the supply and demand schedule. Yeah. Supply right. and demand schedules, supply and demand it's, curves. It's, it's exactly like Congrats, that, yeah. right? Like, you know, if 10 people are willing to buy a beer for $5 and only uh, nine people are willing to buy a beer for $4 and the break even price is this, maybe it might be better to sell a beer for $5, right? So, yeah. So, so with, uh, with sticky inflation, so we have what's called slippery and sticky. So, slippery, sticky that's means what it is, yeah. whatever it is, when the, when the price gets somewhere, it usually stays there for a long time. It doesn't, it doesn't move. So, like slippery inflation would be like, Car rentals, airline yeah, tickets, usually hotels, hotel, hotel rooms. Right. It's, yeah, those are all very slippery. So if there's high demand, there's high price. If there's low demand, there's extremely low price. Right. So they're yeah. they're what's kind of like hotels like hotels in the summer are usually usually a lot more expensive. A hotel in on January fifteenth in um, I don't know Anchorage, Alaska is probably substantially cheaper. And I don't know this to be true, but it's probably substantially cheaper than that same hotel. In like June, June. Fishing like season, in the, yeah, then, then in the middle of like the summer sports, right? So it's 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 a and and the sun is up for the sun is up for twenty two hours of the day, so you can get a tea time at two in the morning. Exactly, and so <laughs> like, it's one of those things. Like, so those are very slippery; they are very reactive to markets. Then you have sticky inflation. So sticky sticky prices are energy, gasoline. Food, ga- gasoline isn't especially as much. produce. I mean, because okay. gasoline prices fluctuate. I mean, they do, but once the price goes up, it generally, if the price goes, so if oil prices go up, gas prices go up. Even if the oil they're selling right now is cheaper, 
They're trying to offset future losses. But if gas, if oil if prices, OPEC says, if oil prices go down, gas prices generally don't go down for a few weeks. What if OPEC says we're going to increase production by 10 million barrels a day? Oil prices go down. Yes, I agree with you. But gas prices don't react immediately. That's well, what I've I, I, I understand. I understand that. You'll but see the fact that a year from now it will react. Does that still, make it sticky? It does. To me, still- to me, that makes it sticky. And I think we'd agree that it is sticky when you see when you see like it takes a year versus a day gotcha. for prices to. That's when you start to see sticky things. Or a because, month or three months. Yeah. Remember, if, if it takes a year for good news to bring the price down, but it takes the day of bad news, prices go up. You know, prices that aren't means- coming down. Like we, I can, I can conclude that prices will not come down. Yeah, so that means everybody that produces corn uh, produce ten times as much, so bourbon's cheaper. Mm-hmm. But our bourbon and, price and is going to drop tomorrow. Right away, our bourbon price is going to drop tomorrow. No, they're yeah. going to drop in four years because yeah. that's when the next batch comes out from all that corn that's getting produced. So yeah, but by then people will have forgotten the good news, right? So right. Yeah. prices aren't changing. So that's what we mean by sticky. It's it's also described. Sticky is also described essentially. Um, so there's two parts of inflation. When we talk about like monthly inflation or annual inflation, there's the sticky component and then there's the slippery component or the transitory component, mm-hmm. right? So uh, in the article I was reading, the point of the article was essentially that if you look at the um, underlying inflation gauge, which is the New York Fed, mm-hmm. um, which is, as they describe it as um, a measure of underlying inflation and is defined as the persistent part of that common component, right. monthly inflation, right? So it's published mm-hmm. monthly, it's compiled daily. And it monitors specifically sticky inflation. So how does it how does it distinguish whether it's sticky or not? I mean, it looks, as far as like the particular product. Well, it's able to look. It looks at them every day. It's able to look at them every so day. So if it changes day to day, then you could assume it's it's slippery. If, it, if, it re, if it's if it's yeah. up and down, you could say it's and you'd create a scale. This is more or less slippery. Okay, these things are slippery. Let's see what they're doing. Okay, uh-huh. here we can decide this is slippery inflation. This is sticky because these things they yep. generally don't react day to day. So. Um, yeah. They looked at the UIG, and so they said that right now, um, the record high right now for the UIG is that it is 4.2%. So sticky inflation right now is at 4.2%. Yeah, which to me, yeah. Uh, first of all, UIG means underlying inflation gauge, yep. uh, which is which is kind which of is that like, measurement of sticky. So the so the permanent or the the, the non-transitory inflation, right? So yeah, it's so 4%. to me, like yeah, so to me, like basically, what it, I guess the base the best way to describe it really is there's the PE ratio, which is the price price to earnings ratio, and there's the CAPE ratio, which is the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio. That's essentially what this is, right? The uh, the underlying inflation gauge is essentially the CAPE ratio because yes. it's cyclically adjusted and it's aggregated on a different schedule than yes. normal PE ratio. Yes, and that it's so, different. Yeah, isn't it? It is. It's it's looking at kind of the same data, but it's looking yeah. at different things based on different parts of the cycle. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. I would say it's a fair comparison, even yeah. though they are quite different. Yeah, yeah. So um, I compare to finance thing with an economics thing. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying is that, is that yes, they're they're yeah. different measurements of the same data to yeah, get exactly. different information. Yeah. And so what what what, so, what the New York Fed has found, and if they looked at the last decade, they've said that really, if the Fed's been saying that inflation's been two percent. And that's incorrect. Well, their target inflation is two percent. They've held it at that for quite some time. But what the but conclusion with the, of this data is that it's only yeah. been below two percent three times in the last ten years. Yeah. So obviously it's a little bit different. But if you look at everything across the board, because I think they evaluate products differently in terms of its stickiness, and not in terms of exactly whether or not there is inflation on this thing. Because I think the regular inflation rate is just like how much you're paying for meat now versus how much you're paying for meat last year versus how much you're paying for meat the year before. Yes. Where sticky is more like the sticky versus slippery is more of just like, is this thing like is this thing reducing in price month after month or day after day? Yeah. It, day or is it day, reactive right? to changes in supply, right? Is this is is the supply and demand, yeah. is it fast? 
And generally yeah. you see with consumer goods, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Is the, is the equilibrium moving around a lot? So yeah, yeah I, I guess some people might say this is a more accurate way to calculate inflation. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of this calculation, particularly, because I don't see that. So basically what you're saying is the inflation isn't really as bad as it is suggesting or, or like the yeah, 62% that we saw for the October month. Yeah. What they're, what they've said is that, well, they've said the inflation, that number taken by itself is worse than it probably really is. I agree but, with that. But they're also pointing out there's still a very severe problem that people don't want to talk about or aren't talking about, mm-hmm. which is to say that what they're, they've said is that yeah. maybe one to one and a half percent of that 6.2% is temporary inflation, is, is, is transitory yeah. inflation. Well, this leads me to believe. So like we talked about before we took the two shots and before the mic was hot, oh, that, yeah. uh, there was something that you saw that said that the Build Back Better agenda would actually yeah. reduce, not, not reduce inflation, but basically well, like- he, to be fair, to be fair projected he to said by, reduce inflation he, he in did. his statements. Um, but me personally, I don't think Joe Biden's quite with us. I want him to be, but whatever. Anyways, he, uh, he said, the article said what? It'll if inflation is projected to raise by ten percent over the course of the next ten years, all all the spending that he's trying to pass will actually keep inflation from growing by ten percent. It'll actually yeah. Or, so I, I so what I of, looked at so yeah, how, so my interest was when I read that he he said I've got somewhere between fifteen and nineteen Nobel laureates in economics agreeing with me. And I went, okay, what did they agree with? What did they specifically say? That was my interest. So I went to see what they said, because let's be fair, if we're going to accept that there are some authorities on this matter, it's probably these guys. And if you get between Uh, 15 and 20, and if you get between 15 and 20 Nobel laureates agreeing, there's not many. So let's see what they had to say. And what they said is they got them. And most of them said, said essentially along the lines of- I will say this too. So the Nobel laureates, I respect them all. I think they're all brilliant, but I will say- yeah, the organization that gives out the awards for, like, gives out the actual Nobel Prize for economics. They've been wrong before. <laughs> I, I believe that they're slanted politically in a certain direction. But with that said, um, they generally Nobel- they generally look at things that they're generally late to the party. So it's like, okay, someone who came up with a theory that's actually changed the econ- economics, but it was twenty years ago. We're rewarding them now for what they did because look at the effects it had. Right. But what I would say is they're generally good. They're generally intelligent minds who are able to who are able to look at something, yeah. do some data, and go, okay. Yeah, there's, this seems like a good idea versus a bad idea. And what they said was the premise yep. of the Build Back Better plan would increase is a supply side solution, which would increase the supply, in theory, lowering average inflation over right. time. So, right. Well, so, so reduce inflation. It would. So, if what, well, essentially the premise being is if inflation was going to be 10%, maybe it'll only be eight now. It's going to reduce that yes. growth from over the course of the next 10 years, right? So, if, if inflation and, and, would have reduced and beyond, by 10%, but at least be over eight, the next 10. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, basically, uh, let's try to dumb this down uh, as much as we can. But basically, this Build Back Better plan and the infrastructure bill, uh, the idea of it is that. It's going to pump the economy with the supply of finished goods. And because it's going to pump the economy with the supply, you know, ask anybody that knows anything about economics, supply goes up, prices go yeah. down. It's, well, it's not, gonna, it's not necessarily going to pump goods into the economy. It's going to increase the ability make, to create supply, right? So, so let's just say it's going to increase the supply. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's going to make more efficient yeah. production and increase supply. Right. And I'm a demand pull guy. You're a demand pull guy. I agree. Um, I don't necessarily think it works quite like that. It doesn't work um, as easily as like, they think absolutely. it will. Like, but like, I mean, honestly, like if, if all of a sudden they came across like all this like 
purified gold. I yeah. mean, what do you think is going to happen to gold? Gold would go down. Right? So they're not wrong, right? If you know, if they spend all this money to make su- the supply chain more efficient and to actually produce more finished goods yep. quicker and cheaper and faster and distribute it better, they're right. It, the price of that thing will go down, but at what cost, right? So I think because you're spending money to do it, I don't necessarily think it's going to reduce inflation or kind of plateau inflation as much as we think it will. You know- because of the supply and cash. It's, that, I think you have, yeah, hands. you have, so you have the, infl- you have some inflation issues with the fact that money, a lot of money is going to be spent. It's going to drive mm-hmm. up demand for certain raw materials, certain resources, certain people, truck yeah. drivers, Wage other, other yeah, too. So you're going yeah, to see, was- you're going to see some issues there. I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think anyone would. There's, we all agree that that's a part of it, but yep. I think the entire, so the entire premise of this is essentially they're going to try to increase the supply in a way that will catch it's never going to catch up to demand right so i'm a demand pull guy we've seen yep. demand increase substantially at a time when supply actually shifted left or decreased which yeah whoa which, if we know anything from yeah, our entry economics and our and our graphs we know that that drives the um equilibrium quantity yeah. lower and it drives the equilibrium price higher well, that makes sense right, right? yeah that's quantity higher price <laughs> so what this is it's going to try and so while we still have demand pulling right it's going to tr- or increasing pulling to the right it's going to try and increase the supply and push it to the right in a way that at a velocity uh, the, that, that, that's that will faster. Keep up. That right. it's probably not going to keep up, but it's going to be moving faster than it otherwise naturally would. Right? right. So it's it's just it's they're trying to give that rightward supply shock. And will it mm-hmm. work? I'm very skeptical of it. You know, I guess the question is, how long does it take to train uh, a truck driver? Well, not well, I mean, necessarily it, all that long. I, I don't know that to be true, but. It, it, that's not the actual problem. The problem isn't training people to do it. The problem is how does doing these things improve necessarily the supply right. chain? Does improving bridges and roads do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we're still trying to solve, we're trying to solve it as one block instead of solving it as 10 smaller blocks. We need roads and bridges, right, exactly. I agree, but we probably also need truck drivers on them. So Yeah, no. So I, I think my thing is the, the federal government for every dollar they spend, you know, if I'm being generous, maybe 60 cents actually goes to its intended use. Right. Oh yeah. And it, government like, contracts are exceptionally wasteful. They're exceptionally wasteful. And the government is just as a whole, not very good at investing money, but they're not supposed to be right. They're, they're, it's the government. They're not supposed to be good at investing money. Whereas like, if you, I mean, you ideally know, it's, in a private you business, want your government to be right? better at it, but you expect it to be, yeah, the federal government is not inherently efficient. Yeah, exactly. But they're also, you know, like no company is going to invest in human capital. I mean, they say they will because they're trying to make their culture, their corporate culture a lot better, but they're not really investing in human capital at the same capacity the government would be, or at least the government tries well, to be. Well, yeah, right? no, Where, no companies, no company is going to fund public schools. Yeah, they're not going to fund public schools without I mean, they'll, they'll do trying to like get that. it to their benefit. Right. Yeah, but, for a, like a marketing spin or a public relations spin. Right. But long way of me just saying, like, the government is not very good at spending money. No, the government's um, very good at spending I, I, money. The, the, <laughs> do, the dollars that they spend, sorry, are, aren't as lean as the dollars that, like, let's just say, if Ford wanted no. to improve the ports in LA or whatever it is. But that's my criticism. That's my oh, thing. Yeah, that's my thing is, like, I don't think that this would actually improve or at least keep inflation from hitting that ceiling over the course of 10 years because. 
there's more money out there. Oh, no. It, even uh, if you absolutely. take the UIG, I still think this, the 6.2%, you're not too far off, even though I do think the 6.2%. I think the UIG, if we look at the UIG, I think what we're seeing is that just is essentially just that um, that there is more inflationary pressure on the sticky side than maybe there than maybe anyone's willing to publicly admit or say. Which, you know, why would they try to do that? But what I'll say is this, is, is the spending going to actually cause inflation to decrease? No. Well, will not, it decrease? Yeah. Yes. Will it actually make it smaller than it currently is? No. Will it prevent it from increasing as much as it otherwise what would? Yeah. Yes. I think that's what we're going to see. I, think, yeah, I, I, think we're I personally see, disagree with you we'll on that. We'll see a but... slowing of the increase. So we'll see. That's it. Yeah. The slowing of our increase in inflation. Well, I don't necessarily think it's a slow. I think, to be honest, with you, it'll be pretty much the same. Well, because because the, the next issue is if we is because the real issue is it's not even the spending. It's that if we really look at or what that says is the economy five years ago struggled under two and a half percent interest rates with sticky inflation above two, but not by a whole lot. How are yeah. we going to deal with increasing interest rates with sticky inflation above four percent? Right, you know what I mean. It's, it's exactly. Just, it's, so yeah. So not only are you, you know, not only is everything more expensive, but the things that are more expensive aren't going to get any cheaper, no matter what the M one M two supply looks like. Oh yeah, it's so it's, it's well, that's, that's, that's it, the scary thing. Well, right? and my issue is it's not even so much that it's the increase in the M one M two supply. It's the fact that it's for for me the issue is that so much money has been given to businesses and prices are still going up. But either they're going to take that money and try and expand their supply to lower the prices, or they're just going to be like, hey, profit margins are great. You know, why would we why would we lower our prices? Profits are great. Yeah, but I think businesses are smart enough to know. And I think the reason why profits are great is just because the, the demand pull. But I think let's get through the holiday season. Let's see what demand looks like. Well, I don't think demand is going to be there in February. I don't. I really don't. We'll see. And like I, I said, I, I, experts are saying, I don't think 2022 is going to be a great year for the economy. I really don't. I, you know what I'll say is this. I don't know about the economy. I think it's I think it's bad for markets. I, I don't think it's going to be good for the economy either, in my opinion, just because eh. I think profit margins are going to go down. I don't, I don't think demand's going to be there, personally. And I think because of that, maybe prices will decrease. Um, but we'll see. Profit margins are going to go down too. I think they have to. The retail profit margin at like what? I, last I saw was like 8.4%. That, that's just not sustainable. That's just, that's, no, there's no not. way. That's why I'm looking so, at it. I, say, I, think, I think the markets are down next year. And I think, I think the economy struggles, but I don't know if it's, I don't think that the economy does what it did in 2008. I don't think a market downturn affects the economy no. anywhere near as drastically. I think the economy will turn down because it's going to. It naturally has to. So I think it I think it resets and it goes you not into recession. You have 13 years of a bull market, right? No, yeah, it doesn't go into recession, yeah. but it goes into a um, the economy slows down, gets itself together and and comes to a new equilibrium and I think markets panic because they've based everything in the future on 13 years of bull market continuing, right? So they think so the ground is shifting sure, beneath yeah. beneath the market's feet. I don't necessarily like it's right. it's going to be I mean, a fun ride. And, and we'll see way. what happens, but I just Absolutely. To be honest with you, um I mean, I think everything is way more expensive, whether it's sticky or not. I mean, like it just, it, it seems like I'm paying more for everything, whether it's rent, whether it's, and this is me personally, so I don't want to just kind of throw my plight on you and say, this is what you're going through too. I, I, I don't know. Right. But it seems like everything for me is more expensive. Oh yeah. Prices are definitely, and, things are more expensive now than they were last yeah. than they were two years ago. I, I don't. But if you're, but if you, if you're a landlord and you're used to charging 2000 a month for rent and the tenant decides, look, I can't like, you know, they paid two years of, of $2,000 a month for rent. It's like, you know, they're not going to lower rent prices. You know, someone, someone else is going to buy. Someone else will come so, in because someone else that, is charging more. Yeah. So my thing is, 
what, what I think is actually going to happen is I think inflation will still probably grow at its normal rate, but the growth acceleration will apply in different areas throughout the duration of whatever this plan will be. Absolutely. You know what? Could it be more, could it be less? I don't know. Aaron, I think you're absolutely right there. And I I don't disagree. I think that's that's probably the most accurate way to put it. What I will say is the place where prices haven't gone up, so you do not have to worry about inflation yet, at least where we are, is in the merch shop at drunkonomics.myspreadshop.com. So feel free to go (laughs) grab some inflation-free, at least for now, inflation-free merch from your favorite podcast, or at least a podcast you're listening to. So yeah. that would be us in this case, hopefully. So the world how drunk the world you, you think. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. Just let the world uh, know. Inflation has not accelerated at... At drunkonomics.myspreadshop.com. We, uh, it, has, it hasn't accelerated. It it's not. It's neither sticky nor slippery. Yeah. And those of you out there, how do you like your stuff? Tell everyone else how, how much you yeah, like I mean, your stuff. Post it on social media, tag us, whatever. I mean, I want to see it. Like, yeah, we want to see you guys out, out and about. My day. It would make my It would absolutely yeah. make my day. I would I would love it. Um, yeah. So there's... Yeah, from there, uh, if you want to help us uh, get better lemons in the Or even the just DFW any lemons. Area, Aaron yeah, is just, still lemonless. I'm still lemonless, and it makes my Manhattan not as good as if they were lemon full. Yeah, lemonless so, in Dallas. Yeah. It's the straight It's the straight to podcast uh, sequel to Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> straight to... <laughs> Straight to podcast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, if you want to help us get some lemons, you can find us on patreon.com slash drunkenomics. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash D-R-U-N-K-U-N-M-I-C-S. It'll yeah. help us keep the liquor More cabinet stock. stopped, the ice frozen. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. You don't want to buy if the you merch. You have too much merch. Free yeah, it's, it, it, you know, there's an alternative for you. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, with that said, um, I don't really know what else there is to say. Um, hopefully, um, well, you know, get the I know the icky, that the chestnut checkers. In the U.S., enjoy uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday week with your family, friends, whoever you're with. Absolutely. Whether you're whether you're eating and drinking, just drinking, just eating, or a combination of the two. two. Yeah. Have a great time for everyone else out there. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And of course, stay drunk and Cheers.